After Capcom's Street Fighter II debuted in 1991, it was almost impossible to imagine another arcade title that could rival or top such a refreshingly fun game. That is, until one year later when the ultra-violent, ultra-bloody Mortal Kombat arrived and sent kids scrambling for quarters and launched the video arcade renaissance. Few could have predicted the special moves, fatalities, babalities, and more would launch such a legacy. But after this month's premiere of the new Mortal Kombat movie in theaters and on HBO Max, here we are. Get over here. This is Wayback Attack. Welcome to Wayback Attack. My name is Brian Grantham, and sitting across the stage waiting for his fatality is Preston Burt. Preston, are, pref- are you ready for a babality? I prefer a friendship. Oh, okay. Let's, let's throw a friendship down there. Let's have some rainbows and, and fun times. Well, the newest Mortal Kombat had some really good friendships in it. So. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. The, the new technology has made friendship even better oh i love it i love it mortal Kombat, nothing like death and dismemberment bringing friends together <laughs> man and you know really it has for since the, the 94 i think right so 92 92 92, 92. yeah so, 92 it's crazy i know it's hard to keep up with there have been so many iterations and um and and reinventions and reboots and all this kind of stuff and we're going to talk all about that of course because that is the topic of today's show, mm-hmm. and um, most obviously because the new movie came out, and we have both watched that, and we are prepared to talk about that. And I will say, we are going to talk about that, and we are going to spoil a bunch of stuff, but we're going to save that for the end of the show. So we're going to have some fun chit-chat, and then we'll go into the history and the legacy before we talk about that. So if you need to bail, if you haven't seen it yet, if you need to bail, you're welcome to do so at the end of all that. But, dude... I want to say first off, I know we're sitting the same distance, mm-hmm. but you know, in my heart we're closer because both of us are now fully vaccinated. Yeah, and it feels like the olden times are coming back. I know it's so exciting. Uh, you know, the the exciting thing about it, I think it, I think it was the CDC. I saw it today. It may have been something else, but you know, they were talking about if you're going into a crowd with a bunch of randos, maybe still wear a mask. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's nice to to have that um, the the luxury of of uh, safety, I guess. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and just the relief of knowing like that you're not gonna get your loved ones sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that kind of thing. I went and got a a haircut at a professional haircuttery for the first time in over a year and a half. Yeah, I should put that camera right over here because look <laughs> at this. It's beautiful. You're so fresh and so clean. Person. I know, man. Uh, it, it was great. I ate in a, a Waffle House. Mm-hmm. Putting, <laughs> putting that, that, that uh, putting it to the test. Yeah, <laughs> I, I ate uh, with my friend Glenn uh, in a Waffle House for the first time in, in over a year. Um, that was fun. Um, and I think we've talked about it on the show before, but you know, it's really interesting in the course of our show together, mm-hmm. um, we didn't start the video um, until we were already in the middle of the pandemic. Yep. We actually sat at this t- at this desk recording just the audio only version before mm-hmm. you'd gotten all the cameras and stuff. So it's pretty it's pretty neat that now we have the freedom to 
to be closer, but yet here we are yeah, still. We can spit in each other's mouths now. <laughs> <laughs> Breathe on me, baby. <laughs> but that's going to be Patreon only. So. Oh, yeah. That, that's some paid content right there. <laughs> Well, too funny. What uh, you know, before we get into the uh, the gory MK stuff, what 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 have you been up to recently? Um, recently I have been um playing a, a new pinball machine that I got for the Southern Fried Gaming Expo, and so I'll talk about that a little bit on the Patreon episode as well. But um, I got a Last Action Hero. Mm. That's the giveaway game. I love that game. Yeah, so it's a you know the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the '90s, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic movie that gets uh, that got a, a poor critical acclaim. It is so crazy to me that it got poor critical acclaim because um, it was a perfect action movie, and then also because it was a comedy, it was perfect at like make like making fun of basically of Arnold Schwarzenegger's career. You know, like oh yeah, totally. It, it, it was so good. It, it threw me off when I turned on the machine and said, "I'll be back." Because I forgot that he actually says that in the movie. Yep. Um, so it's funny that they bring in the T2 element of it in, yep. the, in the game as well. Yep. Yeah, it's great. Um, other than that, you know, not much else to report. So uh, just I'm catching up on movies and things and mm-hmm. able to watch Mortal Kombat. How about you? I know you went on vacation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we went to um, uh, up to Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, we went to the Asheville pinball museum and I played, um, played there basically like they, they had a weird time. We weren't there right when they opened, but they, I think they're open from, let's say noon to five. I don't, don't quote me on that, but we were there pretty much the whole time and they have a ton of games. The cool thing about this place is they actually have a Hercules. Um, they have a Humpty Dumpty playing with a cue ball. Yeah, they and they, but they don't have Hercules turned on because the parts for that are next to impossible to get. And um, I don't know if normally they have Humpty Dumpty turned on because of COVID. Every other machine was turned uh-huh. off, and so um, you know, I think that the selection of games they have were pretty cool. They also had a lot of arcade games. They only had two games you had to pay for. Uh, it's like a pay when you come in to get a wristband uh, because you can leave and come back if you want to uh-huh. um, but yeah the uh, the there was a Willy Wonka you have I think it was like 50 cents a play and then they have a Star Wars uh-huh. uh, sit down uh, cabinet and that is like 25 cents a play mm-hmm. and so um, everything else is set to free play uh, so we did that and um, I'll go a little bit more in detail on it during the Patreon episode yeah. um, and then also um, we went to uh, let's see Boom, baby. We went to Retrocade. Cool. And Retrocade's pretty awesome. Um, I, I'd spent a lot of that night talking to the owner of that place. And, uh, you know, he they have, like, a bunch of pinball machines. And they actually have a virtual pin. And I'll, this is how we started talking is I've really been thinking a lot about getting a virtual pin lately. Or maybe not getting one, but building one. I, it's, I Right now, PC parts are so hard to get. Uh-huh. And so I just, like, having to build a PC for it. I mean... I think right now, like I have extra PCs usually, but right now I think I'm using one for everything, like my Plex server. And then we we made an office, so I use one of my old PCs for the office yeah. and stuff like that. So um, I might buy one and then just like upgrade it whenever PC parts become available. But uh, so I'm on the hunt on Facebook Marketplace for like an authentic like Windows 95, mm-hmm. Windows 98 machine, mm-hmm. so we can build it up and have a retro setup for SFGE. Okay. Um, the, so if you if you're on the if you're on the hunt if you if you see one let me know yeah you should uh, I don't even know 
I don't. I was gonna say you should check like Goodwill and stuff, but I don't even know if nah. you would be able to find something like that nah. there, because nobody would want to buy it for the most part. I bet you can find it on eBay. You said you're looking on eBay. No, I was looking on Facebook Marketplace. Oh, Facebook. Look on eBay. Eh, okay. Because I bet there's I bet there's like people that would sell it for collectors. Okay. So I'll look. Hey, hey, when you do, I got a whole like a CD uh, book yes. of, of games from that era. Classic. So, mm-hmm. Classic. Yeah. Well, so usually our uh, banter is not so game focused but <laughs> this is a gaming focused episode i guess a movie focused episode as mm-hmm. well yep. but it's all because of the game mortal Kombat. um before we get into the history i i, I well am i skip am i am i no nope. talking over you or anything nope. okay nope. good um before we get into the history of that and the legacy of that and all the good stuff and movie talk do you remember your first exposure to mortal Kombat? i like, do is there like a story behind the first time you ever saw it? I specifically remember my first, uh, the first time I heard about Mortal Kombat. And I, I feel like maybe I may have talked, told this before on here, but I don't know for sure. So it must have been picture day because I know it was, it was at school and we were in the um, lunchroom, but it wasn't lunchtime. And these kids were talking about this game. And, and they said, I walked in, right? And they went, oh, I'm sure Brian knows about it. Because uh, these, these were not like, kids that would these were like the popular kids in school and they were talking about this game and they're like oh i'm sure brian knows about it you know because he loves video games and i was like what are you talking about and they're like oh yeah this game mortal Kombat." and i was like no i don't know what you're talking about and so they oh yeah man like it's so bloody and you like uppercut people and blood goes everywhere and you can like rip people's heads off and stuff and i was like oh my god and they're like yeah (laughs) check out diamond gems man next time you go there you check out diamond gems i love it i was like okay yeah awesome i'll check it out and when I did go to Diamond Gems the next time, or the, the mall the next time, I went to Diamond Gems and checked it out and fell in love immediately. It was the best. And I think they eventually got one at Walmart also. That's crazy so, that y- you, the video game expert, I know. that was even identified as a video game expert by mm-hmm. your peers at that time already, mm-hmm. had not played it before those you know, popular kids yeah, got to play it. My, I lived on a farm at the time in the middle of nowhere. And uh-huh. so like all these other people lived in the city. And so they had easier access, I guess, to sure. shopping. And they were the popular kids, so they were probably at the mall a lot, like going to Tommy Hilfinger and stuff like that. <laughs> I love how you are so intimately versed in Tommy Hilfinger that you call it Tommy Hilfinger. Um, yeah, that that speaks volumes. So me, I asked you that question, but I don't really have a good like story about my first time uh, playing Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. You know, I, Street Fighter Two. I don't know that I remember the specific instance but i remember like the shock and awe of that right of like mm-hmm. oh my gosh uh this is an incredible game i think because i had played a game that was so revolutionary like that mm-hmm. that mortal Kombat as a game initially wasn't you know mind-blowing other than the fact that it was just super duper violent and that mm-hmm. was really 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 cool the the memories that stand with me for that game are just the circumstances around where i got to play it most often mm-hmm is that um, I, I lived in a subdivision um, in, a, in a smaller town and uh, my subdivision had like three entrances and on one entrance there was the corner store gas station mm-hmm. and that corner store had a game room in the back and that's where I played Street Fighter 2 mm-hmm. and Terminator 2 Pinball and all these kinds of things. Slugfest was there and mm-hmm. that's where I got to see all these great things. On the other end was Indian Lanes. It was across the street 
and it was the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. And the bowling alley was the first place that had this, the Mortal Kombat. Huh. And my friend Todd and I played so much Mortal Kombat there. And, you know, this was just like Street Fighter. You know, you had the special moves. Mm-hmm. But this is be- before the Internet. So you'd be writing down move combinations when fig- friends figured out. Mm-hmm. You talking about for Mortal Kombat? Yeah, going to Game Pro Magazine oh, and stuff. Well, actually, we'll go ahead and finish your story, but remind me. And then, um, but... Uh, what I remember specifically about the bowling alley was that Todd's dad was the manager of the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. And so this would never happen now. Mm-hmm. But we rode the same bus to go home. And he would get dropped off at the bowling alley, and I would go to my house. But on certain days, I'd just go to the bus driver and say, hey, let me off with Todd. And I'd get dropped off from school at the bowling alley to get to go play uh, Mortal Kombat. And I think we'd get some free tokens and stuff every now and then, nice. too. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah. The uh, so what what I was gonna say is because you you talking about the internet, that was another thing about it was more I guess more specifically Mortal Kombat two because Mortal Kombat one, um, I do remember playing at Diamond Gems and then it, uh, one of the places that I took karate at the time, uh, they had a Mortal Kombat machine. It was like a complex for like, a sports complex, uh-huh. and they had a Mortal Kombat machine, and, and then they also had like a Twilight Zone or in, a um, Adam's Family and a. Um, next generation pinball machine there also um but when mortal kombat 2 came out the like that was the first game that i remember spending a lot of time specifically going to like bulletin boards and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because you would print out the move list and the fatalities and it's funny because um ed boon got really upset because i don't think i don't remember seeing any of the notes where where we specifically talk about it but you know mortal kombat was one of those games where um, they specifically hid things in it. In fact, yeah. Mortal Kombat 1 was the first game that had a hidden playable character that you had to unlock by doing a certain thing. Was that Smoke? Um, it no. was, uh, yeah. Uh, was it? Rain? Noops, I bought. Oh, Reptile. It was Reptile. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. It was, it was one of the We ninjas. did a lot of research for this show. <laughs> it was a ninja, okay. Um, but uh, so when 2 came out, Ed Boon wanted to put in a bunch of secret stuff. And he got mad because the internet was so popular. People figured everything out, shared the information on the internet. So there's multiple, there's so many revisions of Mortal Kombat 2 and 3 because he they would change things like the moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would, you know, they, they would sell the new boards to the operators and be like, hey, the people are going to get tired of the old boards because they already know everything. So here's the new ones and then they'll, they'll put in more money. So it made yeah. sense for them to buy that. But like, like, and you know, it's just crazy to think about how, you know, the internet that was the first game that i remember the internet impacting the way it did yeah i um i didn't use the internet mm-hmm. like i said i i would write down i would catalog you know what i could figure out for myself what sometimes what game pro would have mm-hmm. sometimes people had moves around the bezel of the monitor mm-hmm. they would they would print out um but i compiled all of that in a text file <laughs> on a word processor, electronic word processor, nice. and saved onto a, a three and a half inch floppy. <laughs> that's that's how I had my moves. I, I came across a printed off version of that recently. I was like, wow, all the work that went into this. Like yeah. when you can just go on the on the internet now and find anything mm-hmm. you want. Yeah, it'd be so totally different now. Like and watch a video tutorial of yeah, how to do it. Yeah, having everyone having a phone in their pocket. Like yeah. And nowadays, like you know, with Mortal Kombat 11, like you could just go on there and just watch like at like on youtube there's every fatality video so you don't even have to play the game you can just watch all the fatalities yeah. and be like oh this is great so so those are our personal memories but like we mentioned the game itself um came out 
1992 following the 1991 release of Street Fighter 2 which like I said it like revolutionized and started off the arcade renaissance of all of it mm-hmm. um, it really was I mean before those two games you know you played like Ikari Warriors or Golden Axe yeah Golden Axe mm-hmm. Magic Sword Strider. stuff like that mm-hmm. um, so there were platformers and there were shoot 'em ups and, and things like that but just the revolutionary aspect of the head to head you know the great equalizer you could be you know a 10 year old kid mm-hmm. with uh, who spent a lot of quarters and knows what they're doing versus a you know a grown adult person and and wipe the floor with them that was a great feeling so that was that was really really cool and um then so the the game itself 1992 Ed Boone mm-hmm. John Tobias mm-hmm. um what I know you know because we wrote this together, but uh, tell the fans, if they can't tell already, what was the inspiration? All right. Well, the inspiration for the game, um, it it still kind of lives in the game. Um, They were thinking about coming up with a fighting game. They were working at Midway, and they were thinking about coming up with a fighting game. And, um, you know, at the time, no one was bigger than Jean-Claude Van Damme. The muscles from Brussels, baby. And... um, and so they wanted to have a game that he was in and that all that fell through. Uh, they, they couldn't get, get him to be in it. And so they wound up going with more of a fantasy theme and, um, but they wanted to have that character still in the game. And so what they did is they made Johnny Cage, uh, whose initials JC, just like John Claude. And, uh, they basically modeled that character after, um, after John Claude Van Damme, uh, in order to still like, keep what they were trying to do and, and want to do that. Um, you know, since it's, it's so weird to think about like the inspiration for it being their love of Jean-Claude Van Damme, the actor and how over time that franchise has grown out to not just be like the most, like the biggest fighting game in history, like over time. Um, but also just the property Mortal Kombat uh-huh. is like like one of the biggest media properties yeah. of all time, and almost long more long standing than Jean Claude Van Damme's career. I know itself. Well, he came back, you know, with uh, the, that Amazon he? show. Did I don't he? remember what. It was. Mm. Um, but yeah, when you look at him in Bloodsport and you look at the original Johnny Cage outfit, you can totally see the similarities there. Um, the the games in the arcade lasted for a while. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. they had, they would have revisions on different boards. Mm-hmm. And I know when I, so I own a um, Mortal Kombat three uh, in my arcade, which is awesome. Um, when you start up with the game, it goes through the, the, the run and it starts showing you the ROM editions, mm-hmm. it runs through the ROMs and shows you what revision you have. Mm-hmm. So um, not only did they do that, but of course they released sequels. So Mortal Kombat one, two, three and four was mm-hmm. the final one in the arcade before they went on to launch however many how many titles do they have now so in the mainline series mortal kombat's gotten up to 11 and that's that one came out in 2019 okay um it just had uh you know when you think about a fighting game the last thing you think about is a story right and they just had um last year this huge story uh dlc for it um because like that game uh, 9, 10, and 11 is probably like one of the best stories in, in video games, let alone a fighting game. Mm-hmm. And so um, with 11, they added uh, story to the end of it. 
Um, and then, you know, one of the things that they've started doing in Mortal Kombat, which I'm not a huge fan of, is putting in, uh, like, all these guest characters. So, like, this... Bo Jackson? No, oh. no, unfortunately. <laughs> maybe I could. Maybe the next game will have sports stuff. Uh, because this one has, like, action movie stuff. So you have, like, the Terminator and Rambo and stuff like oh, that, okay. right? And then... Um, and I think it was Mortal Kombat 10, it was horror themed. So you had an alien and Predator and Jason and Freddy was a nine and stuff like that. Like, okay. Can I pitch you, can I pitch you someone who should be in there? Yeah. I think next, next time they should do special hidden characters, garbage pail kids. Okay. And you got like messy Tessie uh-huh. with like her snot powers. Like she, she could fling at you and sneeze on you and trap you in. Mm-hmm. And you got that dude that chucks up chucks all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be per- actually the, and those characters fit right in yeah those characters would be perfect for um uh for fatalities and everything too windy winston yeah <laughs> blow, blow you over you know they they have also had like side things with mortal Kombat. so like like there's 11 main games but you know there's a mortal Kombat versus dc um and so you it was right when eventually midway went out of business and warner brothers bought bought some of their studios and so that studio became NetherRealm Studios, mm-hmm. and and so they made um, that was like now they make Injustice also, which is a different fighting game, which is just DC characters. But like that was like Mortal Kombat and DC coming together. Um, but then there's also games like for the PlayStation One, there was like these like side-scrolling games that it still controlled like Mortal Kombat, like it was like a brawler, um, but it it was more story-driven. So um, you know you played as Sub Zero, and it was telling Sub Zero's story. And then they came out with another one where he played as Jax, and it told like his story of like him him going after the Black Dragon clan or Black Dragon clan. And um, there was um, on PS2 and the original Xbox era, there was a game called Shaolin Monks, and you played as Liu Kang and um, Kung Lao, uh-huh. and um, and it was the same type of deal. It was a brawler, but it was people love that game. Those other two games for the PlayStation One were not well received. It had FMV um, cutscenes and everything, the original ones. This one was all CG. Um, and then there was supposed to be a sequel coming out called Fire and Ice that was going to be a Sub-Zero and Scorpion game. Um, but they Midway says that like they couldn't get the, get it under budget to where it needed to be, and so they just scrapped the whole thing. Um, but, you know, like games for that, I feel there's probably also, like, how popular the game was. I'm sure there's, like, some, like, Windows 95, like, CD game where it's, like, make cool pictures with your friends Sub-Zero and stuff like that, you know? So so I got two questions for you. Shoot. Uh, first off is um, we talked about the different games that come out and we mentioned earlier friendships mm-hmm. and babalities, fatalities. What do you think was the uh, over the, not, not the game itself and not the concept itself, but over the course of, of its lifespan, what do you think the most interesting and creative and exciting um addition was hmm so i think the story um you know so you have so the way the games break out one through three are your classic 2d fighters four had a 3d environment similar to like tekken and stuff right and that game was not well received Mm -hmm. the next three games that came out so five six and seven um, were console only and those were still a 3d environment but they started adding in like weapons so like you had stance changes and stuff like that for every character and those were okay like i actually spent a lot of time playing those games when um 
uh, I, I was in a band at one point. What? And we, um, when we were in the recording studio, like uh, they, the guy had a, I think, I don't know, I may have brought an Xbox or he had an Xbox. And so like we, I played a lot of those. I don't remember which one it was. It was one of the, one of those games and, and five, I think it was probably seven, seven, maybe, maybe six, but anyways, um, and then or eight, five or yeah, four. No, who, who I knows? know it wasn't four. Oh, okay. I know okay. For <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but, um, and then eight was the Mortal Kombat versus DC. And, and so that was bringing us back to a more traditional style of game. Um, cause they got rid of the weapons and stuff. And then when nine came out, it was a reboot for the whole series. And so they took the original story from the original arcade game and, you know, the original movie. It was it was a story that people were familiar with, but they really fleshed it out. And I think that the way that they did that, it changed fighting games because, like, before in a fighting game, when you play through a story, you pick Ken. And you go through and you see the picture at the end where he gets with his girlfriend and stuff like that. Or Ryu where he's uppercutting waterfalls, right, at the end. Uh-huh. So, like, the way Mortal Kombat 9 worked is you would play as different characters like the story unfolded and then like during this chapter you would be playing as this character so you had to learn how to play each character um, but it was only for like three or four fights before you went to a new character so I, I think that the way that they like evolve that whole process of, of fighting games is probably was the most exciting addition to that game ever because you know they still maintained like the core fighting game like versus stuff all maintained the same and but it went back to 2d which was the perfect I don't. I hate three D fighting games, and so it was. Just, it was the perfect comeback. Eleven is like the perfect game. So. Wow, that was a really well detailed <laughs> and, and well explained answer that I did not intend for it to have that deep of a, a resonance with you. You can really tell when Brian knows his stuff. <laughs> it, we pick a topic that he like is well versed in because he can just he can just go. I was gonna say it was when they <laughs> added that button on three. The run button. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, the run button is huge. Like that. that was, Game changer, bro. Oh yeah. Game changer. Man, like, like, I, you know, Sub Zero has always been my guy, and like my favorite thing in that game is like freeze someone, run up, to <laughs> them, yeah, and then and then it's it's high punch, high punch, low punch, low kick, high kick, back and high kick, and it's a like a 36 percent damage. That's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Game changer. <laughs> But uh, I liked your answer, too. <laughs> Any answer that I can get for you to name drop that you were in a band, I oh, mean, yeah. that's that's a good question right there. Yeah. All right, my ne- my second question <laughs> is pick your fighter. Who's your fighter? Sub-Zero, baby. Okay. All, day. All right. Who's yours? Sub-Zero. Do uh, you prefer oh. Ninja Zero or do you prefer uh, uh, his, Space Stripe so, brother guy? So, Isn't that his brother? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I think the brother ha- uh, had – well, so – I. It just depends. Oh, so, so well, here I, we go. Here no, we go. Like, so it's 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 the original Sub Zero, um, is who the guy with the face stripe is. I think. Mm-hmm. I think his brother took over the role. He died, and then his brother took over the mantle of Sub Zero, and that's who it is in two. What? Yeah. And then in part three is the original Sub Zero's back. I mean, of course. So, um, but yeah, the, I, I that I think face stripe Sub Zero is good because. They had to start differentiating. We couldn't just be palette swaps anymore, right? Like the, the, the games had to get bigger. You had to have better, um, and his costume was better. Yeah. So. Yeah, I dig it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're the same, so I don't have any answer. I, like Sub Zero is is my go to, just like Chun Li is my go to on Street Fighter Two. So, yeah, um, I, I try some of these now. I mean, like, even if I have, even though I have it in my game room at home, like there are some characters I ne- I never play as. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't tell you how to do a single one of their moves because I just never never mm-hmm. do that one. Whew. 
Well, um, moving on with the show, um, I think you did a little research about uh, some cool stuff that led that Mortal Kombat led uh, its way, paved the way for rather. Oh yeah, they they did a great job at at changing the world. You uh, you could say. Every day, uh, the news brings more and more images of random violence, torture, and sexual aggression right into our living rooms. Violence and violent images permeate more and more aspects of our lives. And I think it's time to draw the line. I know that one place parents want us to draw the line is with violence in video games. The fact is that a new generation of video games crosses that line containing the most horrible depictions of graphic violence and sex, including particularly violence against women. Like the Grinch who stole Christmas, these violent video games threaten to rob this particular holiday season of a spirit of goodwill. Instead of enriching a child's mind, these games teach a child to enjoy inflicting torture. For those who have not uh, seen these uh, so-called games before, I want to show you uh, what we're talking about. What you're about to see are scenes from two of the most violent new video games. First, we have Mortal Kombat, which is a martial arts contest involving digitized characters. We're going to show two versions of the game. In the first segment, which is Sega's version, blood splatters from the contestants' heads. When a player wins, the so-called death sequence begins. The game narrator instructs the player to finish, and I quote, finish his opponent. The player may then choose a method of murder, ranging from ripping a heart out to pulling off the head of the opponent with spinal cord attached. The second version made by Nintendo leaves out the blood and decapitation, but as you will see, it is still a violent game. No one can start a party like Joe Lieberman. Oh my gosh, that guy's a rager. (laughs) Well... On December 7th of 1993 um, and on March 5th, 1994, members of the combined United States Senate committees on governmental affairs and the judiciary held congressional hearings, uh, or they held those hearings with several spokespeople for companies in the video game industry, including Nintendo, Sega, involving uh, video games uh, that had violence and sexuality in them, um, and how... They perceive the impacts on the youth of America. Those were simpler times, weren't they? (laughs) Man, like (laughs) it was such a crazy time because people were so up in arms about it. Uh, You know, it was it was it has it because it has been such a storied franchise. Uh They there have been so many video clips of fatalities played for the U.S. Congress. Yeah. You know, like it's so crazy. Um I love that they specifically talked about the two different ports for the arcade game. Yeah, that was interesting uh-huh. that they differentiated between the two. Mm-hmm. The um, and I remember I remember that though because you had to get the bloody version. You couldn't get the well. So so Sega did a smart thing, and of course they they omit this in this. You actually didn't have blood out the box with with the Genesis. You had to type in a code. Uh, to unlock it, it was Abacab, A B A C A. Oh, you know, I did that though. Yeah, yeah I remember and so, that. Yeah. Um, and so once that happened, then you had the blood again. But yeah, dude, Mortal Kombat on the Super Nintendo was the worst version because the Genesis one played more like the arcade game, and then you also had the blood stuff. Whereas like 
the the Super Nintendo one looked better, but it didn't play as well. And then the, yeah, Super Nintendo, so you had to go up. to your friend's house to, to Super Nintendo for Street Fighter Two Hyper Fighting, uh -huh. and yes. then you had to uh -huh. go to your friend's house with the Genesis to play uh, Mortal Kombat. Or you could just be me and have both. Oh, <laughs> so. whoa, Daddy Warbucks! I, man, Hyper Fighting. <laughs> I, I played that. In fact, you and I just played that again recently. And I beat Preston for the first time ever in Street Fighter 2. I was so excited. It was the worst day of my <laughs> life. Um, so basically, these hearings uh, were a result of concerns raised by members of the public in 1993 because of a game called Night Trap for the Sega CD, mm -hmm. um, which recently has been remastered for modern-day PC games. Yeah. That game is so bad. Um, but the real problem with that game was not the content in the game. Like, there were... There were, it was it was a full motion video game for the Sega CD, and um, it had girls in like their nineties and stuff. Um, but really, the thing that drove home was the cover art, and it's very similar to like the cover art of the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, where the, they wound up cutting the bottom off because it was too like revealing. Risque. Yeah, and and so they did the same thing for that. Um, and then out out of these congressional hearings. Uh, was um, born uh, a couple things. So the um, the video game industry created the Interactive Digital Software Association. Now it's called the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association. And then um, in 1994, uh, they created a, the ESRB, which is the rating system. That's what use. we have today. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, you know, this is the same time period that pr uh, parental um, explicit lyrics, parental warning started mm -hmm. popping up. On, on albums because of Prince and his dirty mind and uh, and and D Snyder and his rebelliousness you know I'd like to think of Ed Boone and D Snyder would probably be great friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> shaping the way of American laws so that's crazy yeah so the ESRB is what you see on the the box now where it has E for everyone mm -hmm. or M for mature it, it it's very convenient and um you know I I as far as that stuff my kids don't play games that uh, I really have to look into that stuff, but you know, I talk to people all the time about it and like, like there's an ESRB app and it'll like explicitly like, you know, this is what's in the game. And the ESRB is actually a pretty interesting thing. Like they just have like random people. And so basically if I'm making a game, right. And I want it to be rated cause you don't have to get everything rated, but for it to be sold in retail, you do. Um, and if I want to make a game, I take all the worst things in it and I create a, a video clip of it. I submit it to the ESRB. The ESRB has randos watch these clips and then decide what they think. Oh, they had, like this is in it. And like the NPAA, it. except it's just randos. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Interesting. So I was looking on here. Uh, I didn't see it, but I it, in my arcade warehouse raids mm -hmm. before, I have actually come across um, posters that they would hang in the arcade that would have uh, little depictions of what the the different ESRB ratings were. Uh -huh. um, and I don't remember them having, like, I th they, they might have had stickers that they applied to marquees right. in the actual arcade um, yeah, to, to apply those ratings. So it wasn't just the home consoles that got them. It was the arcade releases as well. Yeah, and, you know, the, um, the ESRB, like, the rating system has changed through time. So before the ESRB was formed, um, you had stuff that... It would say like K to A, like kids to adults, you know, like there was like they were kind of like testing out a different rating system before it was like uh, inst institutionalized. And it's not it's not a government requirement. Right. Like it is something that that was created in order to prevent the government from stepping in. And like the comics it. code authority. Yeah. Uh huh. So yeah. it's 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 that type of thing. So, well, speaking of something that needs government intervention, 
Don't we have uh, something else that Mortal Kombat led inspired to? Yes. Let's take a look at that. You played it. You've watched it. Now live it. Mortal Kombat: The Live Tour coming soon. So people talk a lot about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shell oh, tour yeah, and the songs and, and the performances and the, the music. Uh, I This was a blip on my radar. I did not remember this existed <laughs> until we were doing this show. You know, it's also crazy because there's no recordings. They must have been like hardcore, like no cameras allowed uh -huh. because there's no recordings on YouTube of like a live show. Yeah. Uh, but man, like I feel like during this time period everything had a live show mm -hmm. you know like everything on ice and just stuff like that so yeah well and i know you could have some elements of this with the ninja turtles but it's a lot harder to do ninja moves in a ninja costume yeah. like a turtle mm -hmm. but you know this lent itself to live performance because it's basically just a martial arts demonstration yep. Mm -hmm. yep. which people already did like that was already a thing just tra with traditional martial arts with taekwondo and, and karate and stuff like that um, but this, of course, had the theme and the costumes mm -hmm. and, and the story. Um, so it's really cool. I, I think where this fell by the wayside as compared to the Ninja Turtles is because it had the um, Ninja Turtles had the video cassette. Yes. And I don't think they ever released a VHS tape of this. Yeah, no, there is no like official production. And, you know, like the the crazy thing is with with this performance, the show, it tr it toured hardcore. And, um, you know, it had. So it, it first, when it first came out, uh, it was at the Radio City Music Hall on September 14th, 1995. And then after that, it did a 200-city road trip into 1996. And so, like, they burned through so many different uh, performers, like, in this. Um, I didn't I didn't do a list of them because it's, it's literally, like, 30 people yeah. that, that were through it. But there are some cool things about it. Um, you had uh, the guy who... Um, played jacks in this live performance i was going to ask did any of the game actors actually perform live none of the game actors were in this which is shocking to me because the game actors would do a lot of prom promo stuff like at e3 and or i guess it was ces back then um but they would do like a lot of promotional stuff there where they would be in costume mm -hmm. i mean the, the and they did, i mean they, they could legit do the yeah. moves and oh, stuff yeah That's, they were the models and, so. and the lady that played sonia blade she still is like I don't think I follow her on Twitter, but because of the movie, like I've been getting, seeing her stuff. Like she still has the outfit and she can still like, she's still super buff and stuff. And wow. she's like, I want to be so like, she doesn't look like she's aged a day since 1994. Wow. And so, um, and she was like, I, I should have been Sonya Blade. Uh, but, um, so yeah, it's weird that they weren't in this live performance. Um, but they got the first jacks that they had, uh, his name was Hakeem, uh, Alston. He was in the movie, Okay. Um, and he was just some random like outworlder oh, okay. that uh, that uh, uh, was defeated by Liu Kang. Liu Kang, um, and then uh, the fight coordinator for the live show was actually Shang Sun. Um, it was Kerry Tagawa uh, cool. who, who played Shang Sun in the movie, 
And then, oh, that was also one of the cool things about the new game is he was like the first unlockable character. It was Shang. It was the that person um, Tagawa was in the new Mortal Kombat as Shang Sun. So it was really cool. That's awesome. Um, I know you. Uh, if you if you're watching the show, you got to see a little clip of the the trailer. But if you look online, there's actually a little bit of the show in this same clip. Mm-hmm. It's like a six and a half minute clip. But also, my my favorite part is the live performance on ktla (laughs) where uh you know uh, basically they took the show they took the show on the road and they have to hit up um different local media stations news stations to get the word out and so you got all these guys in their mortal Kombat outfits Mm -hmm. providing uh morning entertainment for (laughs) you know moms shooing their kids off to school it's crazy it's just it's it's so random. Um, is it not, the guy's dress as Nightwolf? Uh huh. Oh yeah. my gosh, he looks insane. Yeah, it, man, I wish this this thing had to make bank. Yeah, because you know, Mortal Kombat hype was huge. It wasn't just the game. You had the the album. You know, like in the the last re- uh, issue of Retrofied, I talk a little bit about the Mortal Kombat album. Mm-hmm. But like that was that was such a you know it, at even at that time so fresh in the in the history of this game it was hitting on so many levels that like oh, i just couldn't imagine i would love to have seen that i would have totally been into it <laughs> yeah. i was in karate at the time yeah. i totally would have loved it I, I i wish they would take that on tour right now and do a mall tour and like make it retro yes, uh-huh. right and you, you bring out the costumes from the 90s you go to the malls that are dying <laughs> and you get to watch the mortal kombat live stage show i would pay so much money to see that do you think the actors would feel um, like demoralized? Yeah, like yeah. probably. Like, oh, you were on a mall tour in 2021, please. <laughs> <laughs> probably, but hey. Um, so that's all fun and good, and and what's crazy about this is that, like we mentioned, everything's so hyper violent, but yet it's all being marketed to kids, mm-hmm. and you know they know where their bread's buttered. And one of the best ways to get kids to um, to love a property is to make some toys about it. Prepare yourself for combat. Mortal Kombat action figures. Fight for right in your own tournament of champions. Liu Kang. Johnny Cage. Raiden. Get over here. Sub-Zero. Reptile in the Dragon MK1. Kino on the combat cycle. Mortal Kombat. It's not just a game anymore. Mortal Kombat action figures. Combat Cycle comes with Kano. Dragon MK1 comes with Reptile. You talk about a story. I want to know where the story is where these dudes are running around on their motorcycles and their dragon boats and stuff. When do the vehicles come into play? I want Reptile to have a special move in MK4 where his motorboat comes and rams your ass and explodes you with propeller. Well, you know... The um, the this game even the first game in the arcade had a pretty rich story. Like <laughs> like on the track screen, it would cycle through. So maybe they just kind of skipped over these vehicles, but I'm sure they were there. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So 1994, Hasbro released the Mortal Kombat action figures, which were essentially part of the GI Joe line, mm-hmm. but unofficially. Mm-hmm. Like I totally conflated the two because I think it didn't help because um. G.I. Joe did release with the G.I. Joe branding Street Fighter 2 mm-hmm. or Street Fighter action figures. You could get Guile and Blanca and, and Ryu and all those guys. Um, and they were in the three and three quarter inch figures. Um, 
but they also released these that were only branded as Mortal Kombat. Did you ever have any of these? I never had them. Um, yeah. At the time, I wasn't buying stuff like that, but I do remember seeing them because um, I, I, I always went by KB in the mall, you know, and, and check stuff out. So I do remember because, like, when we were doing this, I watched the commercial and I was like, oh, God, I feel like I would have had this. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, no, like, at that time, I just wasn't buying figures. So Yeah. I, I, I too, like, the the toy line i still love gi joe but the toy line really lost me when they stopped having characters that were on a cartoon mm-hmm. i mean because they co- stopped having a cartoon mm-hmm. and so they're putting out you know figure after figure i'm like who is this jackalope and then they started having those giant missiles and like huge bazookas that actually shot and mm-hmm. like it was cool that it could shoot but at the same time it looked ridiculous it didn't look anything like an army figure or anything so and i was aging out so i didn't have any of that some of my friends had the the street fighter but i don't think really anybody had of my friends just because i was older i didn't have the um the mortal Kombat. but it's cool looking at those figures because you can look at them and while yes they did have some custom molds you can still look and see oh a sonya blade's body is totally jinx yeah mm-hmm. um you know there's storm shadow's body there's snake eyes body um and, and the way they they you know kit bash basically mm-hmm. to get the the new figure so i'm surprised the vehicles weren't just repurposed joe figures oh i'm sure uh, they vehicles, are so. i'm sure they are <laughs> i don't know uh, or maybe they had it down the line but you know that's the toy business because like we saw like battle cat from he-man mm-hmm. was just a repurposed action gym tiger mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. and they doing it all over again with mortal Kombat. so chasing that money getting kids hooked on a game they can't play because it got rated Infamature. Yeah. I also love that. So, like, I feel like everything that is associated with Mortal Kombat so far, the commercials are done. It's like it's more than the game. Yeah. <laughs> like you've played the game now. Here's this. So, um, but you know, the cool thing about the toys is there's a new toy line, a new Mortal Kombat toy line, and McFarland's making them now. And um, you know, I feel like McFarland, their uh, uh, McFarland's quality had dropped off for a little bit. I feel like they started making spinning. The, the toys that are selling right now is all Fortnite and Roblox and stuff like that. Um, but, like, I feel like this new Mortal Kombat line is actually really, really good. And it looks just like the characters from Eleven because okay. that, that's what they're doing. And so, um, but I think it's cool, like, that they still have, like, you know, you had the toy line from back then because, of course, why not? Like, there was an animated series, you know, like, but nowadays, without cartoons that everybody's watching, there's no, like, market tie- marketing tie in. So, but it's cool that they still have, like, the toy line to go with the game even though it came out um like a year after the game came out so yeah yeah well um before we give a little talk about the the movie don't drop off just yet folks who haven't seen the movie um i did want to talk about uh mortal kombat's um inspiration for other properties Mm -hmm. and and one of my favorites yes um so obviously it was a key that mortal kombat was hyper violent yes and people realized that there could be um, money to be had with hyperviolent video games, but not the same care was placed into making some of these oh, yeah. than others. So Brian and I each have a, a pick for our most favorite violent video game ripoff, and I'm going to go with Time Killers. And that's still me. <laughs> uh, Got it. There we go. All right. For reals this time. <laughs> Perfect. 
Well, that's not really a very compelling audio clip if you're just listening because it's just, yeah, and then and then perfect. Um, because that there's not like a trailer or anything compelling yeah. for time killers because it's such a bad game. But I loved it. I did. I, I loved, loved it, it unironically uh-huh. when uh-huh. I was a kid. I mean, it was clunky mm-hmm. and dumb. But you could cut people's arms and heads off with a chainsaw. And you could keep fighting if your arm had been cut off. I know. It, the cool thing I thought about this game, too, was um, the the ability. So the, it, it had five buttons similar to Mortal Kombat, uh-huh. right? But it was it was both arms, both legs, and the head. And so um, <laughs> because sometimes your arms are cut off and the only way to fight was Is by headbutting head-butt. people yeah. or kicking people. Um, but if you, you also used it to attack that that way or to attack those parts and so you could just end a fight like instantly if by cutting someone's head off if, yep. you, if you landed the right yeah, it's like a right. super move uh-huh. that you could try but you could block that um yeah so it had i mean to use the term realistic graphics for mortal Kombat is pretty generous but you know it if you could digitize people yeah yeah so mortal Kombat was like digitized people more realistic mm-hmm. street fighter 2 was more cartoony mm-hmm Time Killers was definitely on the more cartoony side of things. Heck, you could play as a uh, praying mantis uh-huh. called Mantaz. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't have that. It didn't have the leg up on Mortal Kombat for that, but it did have the leg up on Mortal Kombat for just like absurd absurdity mm-hmm. of violence. Yes, it was more cartoony, but man, you know, where do you go from Mortal Kombat except to go to that and still be able to be a kid-friendly game? Yeah, I mean kid friendly in mm-hmm. loose quotes and at least they could say they could say hey it's cartoon violence like it's not yeah it's not real people like mortal Kombat is so like it's 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 more funny yeah and the game itself was like the reason it's called time killers is because the different characters are from different points in, mm-hmm. in time and so they associated each character with a specific a specific look and you know gimmick based on their time um they had like rancid and lord wolf and then you could get to the end and fight death yeah it was awesome <laughs> did you ever beat it I don't. I probably did. I don't think. I don't ever recall beating it. It was. A, it was a fairly hard game. But I, you know, that's that was one of the games where, like, it was the rage at my local arcade. Uh-huh. But I didn't see anybody else talking about it. It didn't get the cultural, you know, uh, uh, cachet mm-hmm. that that Mortal Kombat did. And I had honestly forgotten about it until I came across a game in the warehouse raid. I was like, mm. oh my gosh, there was that game that you could cut the arms off of people. <laughs> Uh, it was so good, but then I got the board set, and I was like, not as good as I remember. Yeah, you know, also when that game came out, like, at Diamond Gems, I remember exactly where it was in the lineup, and it, it was never, like, in a prominent area. Like, Mortal Kombat was, like, on an end cap, yeah. or, you know, that, that, that kind of thing, and, like, like this was just in the middle of, like, some other random games. Yeah, so, so go check out Time Killers on YouTube <laughs> if you've never heard of that title or played that title. It's a hoot. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it is. I love that game. Um, so the game that I wanted to talk about is called Bloodstorm. And it is, I'm not really going to talk about the game so much as the um, the drama around the game. And so it's it's considered by most to be like the spiritual successor to Time Killers. Uh, it's very similar gameplay, that kind of thing. But the, the drama here lies in with the promotions for this game. So uh, it was actually um, the guy that played... Uh, Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat 1 and 2. Uh, his name was Daniel Pacina. Uh-huh. And he actually he played Johnny Cage and then also the, the ninjas. And um, he, when, when those games went to console, or when the first one went to console, 
he felt like he was screwed out of money because he didn't make royalties for his likeness for being on the console versions of the games. And so he left Midway and sued them, right? And so um, when uh, Bloodstorm was coming out, it was being developed by people from it, like some people that had left Midway. And so they reached out to him and they were like, hey, you want to help us promote this new fighting game that we're making? And he was like, yeah, all right, let's do that. So he didn't just promote the fighting game. He promoted it as, uh, I, uh, I'm Johnny Cage and I endorse this game. Screw Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and so the, um, the, the, the picture is him playing the arcade game and it's not exactly Johnny Cage stuff, yeah. but it like, it specifically says on the flyer, uh, Daniel Piscina, who starred as Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat, has switched to Bloodstorm, and, and, and you know there were multiple. Um, yeah, multiple it, it's signed things. with his name yep. on there, uh-huh. so it doesn't say that he is. It, it doesn't, you know, they're using the realism of how he looks like the character because yes. he is uh-huh. um, to sell the game as Johnny Cage. But they're, you know, legally it's Daniel Piscina. Yeah. So. And, and you know they they did all this when when they were developing Mortal Kombat three and just trying to to just kind of screw over mine or Minecraft screw over Midway and be like uh, you know we're 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 the next big game in town. Does Bloodstorm have a wolf in it? Uh, I think you're thinking of Saber Wolf from Killer Instinct. Oh okay, Saber I don't remember this wolf. game at all. I don't remember Bloodstorm. I don't, at all. I don't remember the game either. But, <laughs> but cool story. Yeah, cool time. I, I just think it's I think it's hilarious that like you know like the that was the cool thing about Mortal Kombat was that it was digitized actors, so it was like real video. And like at the time, you'd go, video games are never going to look better than this because mm-hmm. it's video, it's real people, yeah. you know. And so um, it's just funny that like how you know how likeness rights like that was never an issue for arcade games uh, before that maybe in i don't know there's maybe in china or something there's like someone famous some famous person on a mahjong game or something you know but uh, <laughs> this is the first the first big drama for an arcade game for video likenesses so so we could go on and on and on there were comic books there were cartoons there's been a bunch of movies but we're gonna let folks who haven't seen the brand new movie drop off right here this is your spoiler warning for way back attack because we're gonna be talking about the brand new movie that we both have seen Mm -hmm. um mortal Kombat in hbo max and in theaters so uh you've been warned yes (laughs) all right so the movies uh they've done they did better than i thought they did before we talk about the the new movie i thought we'd talk a little bit about the old one in that it came out in 1994. Mm-hmm. It had, sorry, 1995. It had an $18 million budget and worldwide gross $122 million. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and of course, it spawned that, you know, the great soundtrack and that uh, Mortal Kombat theme that was playing. God, that's a soundtrack that I associate to my 10th grade year because we had, you had to get to school early to get a parking lot. Mm hmm. Uh, a space in the parking lot and people just stand around their cars hanging out and blast music and Mortal Kombat was played so much like first day day one all the way through mm-hmm. um, that's the soundtrack to my 10th grade year but yeah uh, it was huge you, so you know what's crazy about that movie 18 million dollar budget it was so shaky um, when they were filming this movie the uh, like they they didn't have the money like for a lot of a lot of the things that they were doing and so Christopher Lambert played Raiden 
sweetheart that he is, he actually paid for like a lot of the food for the actors and like, and like gave the actors money because like these people, like, like they weren't getting paid a lot of money for this movie when they were filming it. And so he actually like helped fund like the actor side of the movie. So that is cool. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't so much of a gravy train. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that has to do with a little bit of the quality of the movie, you know? So when they came out with Mortal Kombat Annihilation two years later in 1997, They'd up the budget mm-hmm. to thirty million dollars, but I mean, in the scheme of things, that wasn't huge. Right, and it's crazy to think how much money the first one made, yeah. and that they only raised it to thirty million. Yeah, yeah. Um, at, but I guess either there was oversaturation, mm-hmm. um, the interest in the game had run out. It was uh, just a bad movie, and, and most importantly, <laughs> it was a bad movie with bad. CG like bad yeah. bad visual effects. So it didn't even come close to the 122 million that Mortal Kombat One did, mm-hmm. and it only grossed 51 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. Worldwide, I think, I think it only barely covered its budget in the U.S. Um, and so that left dormant Mortal Kombat for a long time mm-hmm. until um, cultural relevance came back with a vengeance in 2020 with. Uh, Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's mm-hmm. Revenge. It's a cartoon animated series or show. Yeah, there was also a um, a series that was an internet series uh-huh. that came out that helped like get people excited for a live action movie. Yeah. Also, so. yeah. Um, and then now, of course, in 2021, mm-hmm. we got the awesome version that we got. Yeah. Well, I'll say it's awesome. I what did you it. think? I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, like so. I there's there's you know. I think about a lot of times when there's a remake being being made of a movie or something like that, and they change so much about it, and I go, why even why even remake the movie if you're changing so much? Just make it a new movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it comes to video game movies, I go, okay, well, how much fan service is going to be in it? And usually people look down on on stuff like that, but like to me, like if you're not putting fan service in, why even call it the Mortal, yeah, Mortal Kombat? Yeah, totally. Right? And man, they nailed it. Like, there's like a bunch of stupid things, like Kano being like, "Kano wins," ha ha ha, you know, and stuff like that. But man, they did the leg sweep thing. Like, uh-huh. that was one of the things I'm working about too. Just hold back and low kick, and then like you're just you can leg sweep someone over and over and, and over. That was so good. Yes, it was so, so good. I, I loved it. I thought they did a great job with it. Yeah. Um, I was talking to another friend who, you know, you talk about a, a fine line between fan service and an originality, and uh, they had some things that were not true to the game, of course, mm-hmm. like reptile mm-hmm. yeah. uh being an actual creature mm-hmm. instead of one of the ninjas and i'm like i defend that you know because the focus needs to be on sub-zero and mortal and um scorpion mm-hmm. they're dressed very similarly mm-hmm. you throw in a reptile guy that looks like that you got to have a whole other thing it gets confusing yeah. and this just elevates the it's the outworld yes uh outworld out, out realm out realm mm-hmm. um to being able to host like fantastical creatures and stuff right so you got Goro over there looking all crazy. You got Reptile Dude over here. Um, no, I thought it was great. I My review that I posted on Twitter was that this is the best 1990s action movie, <laughs> B-movie that was ever released in 2021 I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. It was, it, it was perfect in that it was everything that I expected and that everything that I wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, Marvel has done a really good job of elevating the source material mm-hmm. right like yep. it's comic books it's dumb it's it's silly stuff but they they add an element of you know like fanfare and 
majesty and like serious elements to it. People are not afraid to be typecast as, as superheroes anymore because of it. Right, right. This one, it's just cheese, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> it it doesn't ascribe to be anything that it's not. Right. And they lean into it. They give the fans what they want. Um, and it's great. And I love that they're not shoehorning in some, like, famous person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that that you're able to disassociate, you know, reality from fiction because you can just go right into this being – you know, I don't know who this guy is. It's just some 90s movie I picked off the VHS rental shelf, and mm-hmm. I'm just enjoying it, just with better special effects. Yeah. The, um, you know, I was surprised that they killed off as many people as they did. Yeah. Uh, because, like, you know, sure, Mortal Kombat has a huge roster of characters. Um, but, like, when, when I first heard about the movie and heard that the main character is new to, for the movie... I was like, why? Like that's so like there's so many people in Mortal Kombat. Uh-huh. And so with that, like that's going to change the story of Mortal Kombat. And like I said earlier, Mortal Kombat has such an amazing story. But um but then I was like, I don't want to watch like that story again. Like it, yeah. you just had that play out yeah. over the course of three games. So um I think it's cool that they did that. <laughs> um you know, they talk about like their superpowers, like the people that have the, the mark of Mortal Kombat, like something traumatic has to happen to them in order for them to get their, their special moves. Uh-huh. And I think that the main character's special move was kind of dumb. Who's who's the I swear there's a superhero that gets stronger or it's not Hulk. Obviously the Hulk is fits this thing. But I feel like there's somebody else that has a suit that takes damage uh-huh. and it makes them stronger yeah i can't think of it right now but i know yeah you're exactly right but that's a weird superpower to get i kept watching that and you know admittedly i am had not been that huge into mortal Kombat mm-hmm. um after basically my teenage years and so i kept wondering it's like is this is this some character they introduced in like mortal Kombat 8 i, mm-hmm. I am i supposed to know this guy <laughs> the main character so i'm glad to know that no yeah <laughs> he's just some new guy for mm-hmm. the for the thing uh one of the main uh one of the main arguments against the movie that i have seen mm-hmm. are people who are upset that it doesn't follow a tournament style How, what do you say to that well so i i feel i feel like that's fine because they specifically address it in the movie mm-hmm. right like the in the tournament certain rules have to be followed and so when shang's son a- attacks Earthrealm. Like he specifically says, like, because Raiden says that, like, no, like we have to fight in a tournament, and he says this is this has nothing to do with the tournament. I'm allowed to attack Earth whenever I want. This this has nothing to do with that. And then they make it one on one fights when like because they're like, hey, Raiden, you you can teleport anybody, right? And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah. And so they're like, well, just do just teleport us. I'll fight this person. They'll fight this person. They make it one on one fights. So I felt I was fine with that. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I thought I thought it worked really well, and I think to your point earlier about just seeing the same story, I think it being a derivation from just the okay, let's go to the tournament, let's fight, mm-hmm. um, was really really cool, and that leaves it open for uh, part two, which you know they tease with uh, with Johnny Cage. Yes. So maybe they will have that tournament aspect in the next one in Hollywood. Who knows? Did you see who wants to be Johnny Cage? No, the Miz re- like on Twitter like tweeted at Ed Boon and was like, "I should be, I should I should be the one that plays Johnny Cage. I am the perfect I am the perfect person for it. I can see it. Yep, uh, I can see I it. Like, totally. I was like, yep, he would be the perfect person for that. So yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So uh, 
favorite character and favorite death scene hmm. or favorite fatality i should say uh why don't you go first because uh, i have to think about it okay so favorite character for me um was kano uh-huh. yes <laughs> I, I saw uh a funny meme that someone had it was like a it made it look like a special report from the bbc or something and it's like uh actor who plays kano reportedly in a hospital after carrying <laughs> the entire movie on his shoulders yeah uh-huh he was he was great um I think uh, I, I think that they did a really good job with um, with Sub Zero, and so I'm gonna go with him. He's my boy. I can't I can't I have to back Sub Zero. Um, all right, what was your favorite fatality? Uh, before I get into that, oh. uh, comments on the chat they do remind us that you're thinking of Black Panther mm, suit. That is what I'm thinking. So, of. So yeah, good call. Thanks, guys. Um, favorite fatality? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm always up for a good just sawing in half. Um, who did he do that to? Who did Kung Lao do that I, to? That that also was just a character for. It was the flying, um, the flying lady. She was just a character for the movie, also. Yeah, I loved his, I loved his, uh, his razor blade hat, um, his hat death. Um, and going back to my previous question, though, shout out though to the guy who played Cabal. Mm-hmm. I really like the guy who played Cabal, and I could have watched that character for a while, but mm-hmm. it doesn't look like he'll be making a return yeah. to to part two because of that awesome fire dragon death. From, mm-hmm. Was it? Who was it? Liu Kang. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. The um, I I liked. Uh, I thought I was gonna hate Goro, because, hey, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle version of Goro in the first movie, like is like my Goro. You know, like Christopher Lee uses my Superman. Uh, but um, when I first saw Goro in this, I was like, oh, he's kind of sharp and and he's a little too skinny. But his his death scene's pretty dope. So yeah. He gets sliced up and disemboweled and and stuff like that. So it's pretty nice. There, it's not an official fatality because it's, he's he's killed by somebody not from the games. Um, but I think they did a good job like representing actual fatalities. It would have been great if they had done a friendship or a babality when they were training. Um, I think that would have been like the perfect opportunity to be able to like throw in one of those because it was like good guys fighting good guys. Uh-huh. So, um, and I think that would have been a cool like nod. But I think I think the thing that made me laugh out loud in that movie the hardest was the leg sweep scene. So. Yeah, that was great. Um, so, if do you have anything more to say about the movie? Uh, I so I think it's awesome that this movie was the I don't remember who the director's name is what his name is, but it was his first movie that he made. Mm, guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he uh he's only directed uh commercials before before this so. that's great I, he's got a long career ahead of him then mm-hmm. if he could pull pull this off and make it entertaining and fun and good mm-hmm. uh, i will say though if like i said earlier if you're expecting like super duper you know oscar worthy movie you know stay away but you know watch lead into this with like best the best robot jocks watch some of those 90s movies and then just imagine you're picking this up off the the new release wall at the video store and you'll be in hog heaven Mm -hmm. yeah i loved it i um i'm I'm excited to see where it goes from here because you know the first mortal kombat movie was good also and then it just flopped with the second one so hopefully they're able to maintain the same uh excitement and everything for the second one so yeah well legacy properties are paying the bills these days Mm -hmm. so i bet they will continue to do so um and you know, if you want to help us be a legacy property, you can visit us on Patreon. Uh, we are at patreon.com forward slash waybackattack, and we're actually going to be recording a bonus episode of the show right after this episode of the show, and we'll talk more fun stuff 
and uh, you can hear an, every month uh, one bonus show in addition to the two that you already get to hear for free. So mm -hmm. check that out. Um, and where the, can they find you and the show, Brian? Uh, you can find me at B.E. Grantham uh, on Twitter and the show at Wayback underscore Attack. Shoot us an email at WaybackAttackShow at gmail.com. And then where can people I find am you? Uh, at Squared Stiff on Twitter and elsewhere. And uh, you can always find us on YouTube and wherever. You can email us. We love to hear from you. Um, but most importantly, we thank you for listening and watching the show. And we'll be back here in uh, two short weeks to talk about more crazy retro goodness. See you then. Peace. Peace.